0: 1 Samuel chapter number 3, if you have a copy of the Word of God, want to turn along with us, 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Again, I appreciate the privilege to be here. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 3, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together for just a moment. I'm just going to read one verse. It's all this on my heart. I've got a lot of scripture. This record in the Word of God is on my heart, been on my heart since Saturday. And I've not been able to get away from it. it keeps getting bigger and bigger and heavier in my heart. I thank the Lord for the direction, the working in my heart and my spirit. But I just want to read one verse, and that's where we'll take our text tonight and try our best to give to you what the Lord has placed on our heart. If you'll pray for us, that the Lord will help us tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to read verse number 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no... Open vision. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested tonight in the statement here. Really two statements, but one in particular in the fact that the Bible says that the Word of the Lord was precious in those days because there was no open vision. Now, the word precious here has a lot of meanings. But one that stuck out in my heart and that the Lord has dealt with me pretty strongly about is that the word precious means rare. That it was a rare thing to get a word from God in the days of Eli. And the reason that it was rare is because there was no open vision. What that means is there was no... The word open vision really are translated together and it means to break through or to find something new. There was no new word from God in the days of Eli now i understand that we're living in new testament days and sometimes it's difficult for us to understand how uh, the old testament scripture that these words uh, could apply to us in our new testament day but the reality of the Old Testament is that it was a strange thing for there to be no open vision. There was plenty of open vision in the days of Moses. There was plenty of open vision in the days of Joshua. It was not a precious thing or a rare thing. We have a hard time sometimes understanding or taking in some of the language of the word of God. It doesn't mean that God's word was never precious, but it wasn't a rare thing for Moses to get an open word from God or to get a fresh word from God. It was not a rare thing for Joshua to get direction from God. And even after the days of Eli, it'll not be a rare thing for Samuel to get an open vision or a new word from God matter of fact as a child Samuel's going to get an open word he's going to get a new word concerning the days that lie ahead for the people of God Now, how's that supposed to apply to our life well if there's no new thing if there's no open vision if it's a rarity in the days of Eli then it just becomes a kind of stay and stagnant but nobody wants to go to the house of God becomes ritualistic a ceremonialism routine just the same old thing day in and day out and that's where we are in our day to day I'm afraid in our New Testament churches it, it's a rare thing that's what's on my heart to preach tonight it's become a rare thing to go into the house of God and go out saying God has met with us today it's become a rare thing to go in. I thought about when the Lord was in the house and the Bible said these four men brought this man sick of the palsy and they carried him on a bed. And they went up to the top of the roof and they uncovered the roof and let him down. They didn't let the crowd stop them. They didn't let not being able to come through the door stop them. That would been like most folks today. That would have got halfway to the house and turned back. It does like most folks today. They probably wouldn't have got halfway uh, and been complaining about how heavy the man was, uh, how heavy the corner was, uh, how difficult it was uh, to get the man to the Lord, uh, but they didn't stop there. Uh, They went up to the roof, uh, they uncovered the roof, uh, and they let the man down, uh, and when it was all said and done, uh, the Bible said the crowd went out of the house saying we have seen strange things today. But I wonder in these days in which we live, I wonder how often is it that the people of God go out of the house of God and say that we've seen strange things today. I wonder how often is it becoming a rarity in our day to meet with God? Is it becoming a rarity in our day for God to meet with us? Is it becoming, are we living? I am afraid we are living in the days of Eli when it becomes a rarity for God to pass by. God never intended for it to be a rarity for Him to meet with His people. God never intended for us now. He never intended for us to lose the awe, to lose the thrill, to lose the excitement about Him meeting with us. But He never intended for us to be able to count on one hand the times in a year in the house of God when God really met with us. And I'm afraid we're getting in worse shape than that. We don't even need all the fingers on one hand to count the days and the times and the services when it's not just just mundane and it's not just service in and service out and it's not just traditionalism and it's not just ceremonialism and it's not just going through the motions it's becoming a rare thing in our day for God to meet with us and it's a sad statement but I'm afraid and i just read one verse tonight, I don't have time to read everything or to read you the whole story but we know at least in part what's happened here, that Elkanah has two wives, Peninnah and Hannah, of course Peninnah has children Hannah does not, they go up to the temple, Hannah's desires to have a child and not just any child but a man child, and she said if you'll give me a man child Lord I'll give him back to you all the days of his life, Eli is the priest, she marks him he marks her mouth as she prays silently no words are coming out he rebukes her because he thinks she's drunk she says I'm not drunk I'm of sorrowful spirit and I'm pouring my heart out my complaint unto the Lord Uh, uh, Eli says the Lord uh, says you'll have what you're asking for according to time of life of course Samuel's born and she brings him back but in the midst of all of that we're told about Eli's two sons Hophni and Phinehas and the Bible said they are sons of Belial. That's what the Bible calls them. And it says even though they are in the priest's office that they know not the Lord. Now I'm afraid in these days that the reason that we're not having very many visitations of God is because we got a whole lot of people in places they don't belong because they don't know God. Just because your name's on the church roll does not necessarily mean you know God. Just because they carry a Bible and wear a white shirt and have a suit on does not necessarily mean that they know God. Just because they've been in church all their life does not necessarily mean that they know God. we got a lot of pretending and a lot of faith going on our day and it's costed us for the power of God in our churches Amen. that's what costed in Eli's day Amen. I tried my best to study and pray and I asked the Lord, I didn't want to get none of my opinion. I said, Lord, I don't want to tell them what I think. I don't want to tell them what I've come up with. I said, I want you to speak to me and through me tonight. And I'm telling you, I sat down and prayed and meditated and looked at the word of God and I can't find much different in Moses' day and Joshua's day and then Samuel's day after and David and on down the line than there was in Eli's day except for a few things that it must have been the reason that it was a rare thing to get a word from God and one of them was the disobedience of Hockney and Phineas. they were doing things in the house of God that should have never been done the Bible said that it was the practice of the Old Testament day that they would bring their sacrifice to the house of God that they would put the sacrifice the meat of the sacrifice in the pot and it would seethe in the water and the priest would come with a hook and strike it in the water and whatsoever he struck he pulled it out and that belonged to the priest that's what the priest would live on we know that when God gave commandment earlier on about the inheritance of the people that under the the tribe of Levi, the sons of Aaron, he gave no inheritance. He said they'll live of the things of the house of God. And that's what they were doing. but Hop and Phineas weren't satisfied with the way God said for it to be done. I'm afraid in our day nah, this is getting bigger in me than it already was I'm just going to have to preach it tonight I'm afraid in these days that there are things going on in the house of God and they're not going on because that's what God intended they're going on because that's what feels good to the people or that people want. they're more interested in what they want than in doing how God said for it to be done and it's costing us the power of God in these days Yes, right. Hop and Phineas weren't satisfied with just sticking the hook in and bringing out whatever part that the hook took hold of, and God always took care of His people. God always took care of His men. They never did strike the hook in, at least not in a recorded that it didn't bring something out. But the Bible did not say strike it in, and if it gets something, He said strike it in, and whatsoever piece it hooks on, that belongs to you. But that was not good enough for Hot Nine Phineas. They had to have bigger and better things. And I'm afraid in these days we've traded bigger and better things for the power of God. We've traded our methods and our messages and our ways for the things of God. And so the Bible said they weren't satisfied that they came to the men when they brought their offering into the tabernacle, in the temple. They said, don't put it in a pot. We'll not have our fat sodden with water. They said, you let us take our choice now and if you don't let us, we'll take it by force. And they disobeyed. But it gets worse than that. The Bible said then they lay with women at the door of the house of God. You say, now preacher, what are you going to say about that? I'm just going to say this because this is what the Lord said to say. There are things... Going on in the lives of people that name the name of God and name the name of Christ that are vile and wicked and ungodly and they're coming in among the house of God and putting on a front. They've lived like hell all through the week and the devil all through the week and come in the house of God and put on a Holy Ghost smile, act like everything's okay and it's not okay. It's costing us the power of God. But it gets worse. They're taking things that don't belong. Doing things they ought not to do. And their daddy is deceived about it all. Oh, now the Bible says that he comes to them privately. And he says, now boys... I mean go home if you don't believe me go home and read the story he's so soft in his rebuke of his sons they are the priests they are the spiritual leader of the not just of their house but of the whole nation of Israel and if Eli I'm not I understand I'm not perfect and neither is he but if Eli had done what Eli ought have done he'd have thrown them out on their nose and never allowed them back in again but he overlooked it he just sued his conscience and said now boys you know what you're doing it's not right Uh right, and you know what the shame is he rebuked Hannah harder than he rebuked his sons he rebuked Hannah for praying and no words coming out of her mouth harder than he did his son stealing from God and committing fornication at the gate of the door of the temple of God and rebuke her. It's so much easier in our day to see everybody else's trouble and overlook our own and God help us, I'm just preaching what's on my heart, even the sin of our own family. Right. It's real bad when everybody else's family does it. It's real bad when everybody else's children does it, but what about when it comes to the door of our house? Yes, sir. Amen. And Eli should have threw them out. But Eli just said, boys, y'all not do it. And the Bible said they hearken not unto the word of their father because the Lord would destroy them. <coughs> it never says anything about it not being the will of God for Eli to rebuke them harder. But it does say that it became the purpose of God to destroy Hophni and Phinehas. And I'm going to tell you, we're living in days on dangerous ground. God will not have his name drugged through the mud, and he'll not have his house desecrated or drugged through the mud, but he'll judge. You say, but you're reading Old Testament. I understand. But the same jealous God of the Old Testament is still the same God of the New Testament. And he'll not share his glory with anybody else. And he wasn't going to share it with Hop, and Phineas. They had inflated their They had become proud and boastful. And we're living in them days. Paul told Timothy that in the last days there'd be traitors, heady, high-minded. That's where we're at in our day. We've turned our back on the things of God. We've played a traitor to the Word of God and the ways of God and the will of God. And we're watching families be destroyed. And I'm going to tell you, it got real serious. Daddy's disillusioned. He's deluded. What's going on? He's deceived. He's deceived his own self. And it's going to get so bad that it's going to cost them the power of God. Because there's going to be a few years down the line that the men of Israel are going to battle and the priests went with them and Eli's sights dim. And that's part of the problem. Not physically, but Spiritually. That's part of our problem today is that while our eyes are spiritually dim yeah. and we, we can see everybody else's problem. I mean, Jesus said it himself. It's easy to see the mote in someone else's eye. We can't see the beam in our own eye. It's real easy to look at everybody else's problem and be spiritually blind to our own problems. Right. And half and Phineas are going to be out yonder with the ark fighting against the Philistines and because of their disobedience God's going to allow the people of God to be overtaken and Hopni and Phinehas are going to die and the ark of God is going to be taken and Hopni and Phinehas are killed the ark's taken if I'm not mistaken Phinehas' wife is with child Eli's sitting on a seat He's very old and very heavy. His eyes are not allowing him to carry himself or to exercise or to walk so he sits all the time. There's a bearer comes in and says, I've got bad news about what's happening. He said, what happened? He said, your sons nigh and Phineas are dead. Right. And Eli never reacts. But he says, and the ark of God is gone and when the Bible said when he heard of the ark not of Hawthorne and Phineas, but when he heard of the ark you say preacher why did it didn't bother him about the ark and it didn't bother him about his sons or it bothered him about his sons but what bothered him more was it was because of his sons that the ark was gone and it was because of him that the ark was gone. And the Bible said when he heard of the ark, he fell backwards off the seat, broke his neck, and he died. And Phineas' wife travailed, and she bowed her knees, and brought forth a son, and she said, call his name Ichabod, yes. which means the glory of God has departed. Hop, and Phineas' seeing their father's delusion, Their father's deception marked the next generation forever. All his life, this poor boy, he didn't do anything. He was a babe still in the womb. But because of his father's sin and his grandfather's sin, he's going to go around all his life in an age that does not know the glory of God. And he's going to bear that name. Lord, be it far from us that our children bear the name of Ichabod, that the glory of God is departing. I'm telling you, God's still the same. He was the same in Eli's day. As it was in Moses' day. And he was in Joshua's day. And he would be in Samuel's day. But it was the shape of the people that caused the glory of God and it from them. I'm telling you, I have never. I was having conversation over the phone this week with a brother about churches that were closing up doors. I'm telling you, I've never seen such a time and the people of God are shutting the door never to return again. When churches are falling by the wayside, when young people grow up and they go away and they never want to come back again and the reason they don't want to come back is we played the phony and the fake and the false for so long and they're wise to it all. The glory is gone. Ichabod's on the door. Hobni and Phineas are doing what Hobgoy and Phineas do best. Eli's turning a blind eye and it's becoming a rare thing. F- and I have the power of God in our day. I'm 34 years old. If I live till September of next year, I'll be 35. I've not been around as long as many of you, but I've been around long enough. I was not raised. Philadelphia age, but I come up maybe on the very tail end of part of it. And I remember as a little boy, it was not a rare thing to go in the house of God and the choir get to singing and the old ladies go to shouting. I'll never forget as long as I have my right mind. Walking in the in the back foyer of Victory Baptist Church on green carpet with green pews and walking up in the choir and begin to sing. And there's an old lady named Miss Louise. She said on this this side of the church, about two-thirds of the way back on this end, uh, on this side, and the choir get to singing, uh, and she'd go to clapping her hands uh, uh, real fast. And when you got uh, to hear Miss Louisa clapping, you better watch out, it's fixing to get on. Uh, and she'd go to shouting and appraising And uh, she'd say, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then she'd get a little faster and a little louder. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And uh, there's men in the choir that would run uh, and leap up. Up and down it wasn't a show. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a phony. It was a power of God, and it wasn't a rare thing. I mean, it's becoming a rarity in our day. That's right. yes, sir. Oh yeah. It wasn't a rare thing. And my wife's here. She is there a whole lot more than I was. I was growing up, and we was dating. If, if, we, if we were going to see each other, we had to go to church. That's the only way we could see each other. And I go to church with her at Indian Creek and that's where I got saved, on purple carpet. But I'm telling you, what times I went to her, it wasn't a right thing. On this side of the church, on the second pew back, uh, for Miss Helen England uh, to get stirred up uh, while she was in the pew or while she was in the choir. And she always did the same thing. When the glory of God got to working, she'd say, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. I'm telling you, I remember that just like as yesterday. I remember services of days gone by. But now here we are in 2023. Things are going 2023 for and I wonder how often it is that the power of God descends on us if time lasts and these young people that sit among us are 30 or 35 years old. Will they ever be able to look back and say, I remember when brother so and so or sister so and so got in the power of God and there's no denying. Or have we got to the place where it's become a rare thing to have the power. And I kind of done got the cart in front of the horse but it's Okay. I was talking about all these young people growing up and going off. And that's the generation we're to. My generation and back are coming to the place that they don't want anything to do with the house of God. They want to go away and go somewhere else. And I'm going to tell you why. If you're reading this story right here, Hop, and, I and Phineas and what they did and Eli turned his back in a blind eye to what they were doing. The Bible said the men of Israel are born the sacrifice of God. It was not just Eli's disobedience and Eli's delusion and Eli's dim eyes. And it was not just Hop Nine disobedience to the command of God. But the people of God got so discouraged with the things of God because there was no genuineness, there was no realness in the house of God. And they said, That's all there is to it. I don't ever want to go back. That's right. Oh, God. I don't know how old Eli was. I know he's an old man. I don't know how old hop and Phineas were. They couldn't have been real young men. But the Bible said, all these older ones that ought to know, Eli knew enough that in the days to come when Samuel would hear the voice of God, Eli remembered enough to remember what it was like. I've often read that scripture and thought about what the thrill must have been in Samuel's heart to know that it was the voice of God. But I wonder what agony. The Lord really burdened my heart. I wonder how bad it shuddered in the heart of Eli to wish for the day again when he could hear the voice of God. When Samuel came... And Eli said, I've not told you. Go back and lay down again. And that Eli should have been so well versed in the voice of God. So well versed in the things of God. He ought to know on time one that it was the voice of God. But he didn't know till the next time that it was the voice of God that was speaking to Samuel. Now I wonder how much Eli wept. I wonder how much the bed shook and how wet the floor was. and Eli remembering the days and how good it was when he could hear the voice of God himself and when the older ones ought to have been showing the way here comes a little boy who's just been weaned we're not talking about a teenage boy we're talking about a little boy three or four or five years old, coming up to the temple and his mama kissing him and putting a coat on him she had made and saying, I told the Lord when you were born that I'd give you back to Him. And she said, I don't want to leave you and there's probably a lot of tears crying and he probably didn't understand why his mama was leaving him and his daddy was going back without him. But they said, you gotta stay here. God's got far better for you here than we ever could have for you at home. And I wonder about maybe the night Samuel cried himself out of sleep, I don't know, it's not in there. But it ain't in there, it may be in there. I don't know, but it's in my heart tonight. How broken, how he missed his mama. I thought about when I was a little boy well, I was a mama's boy and I'm not ashamed to tell it just how it was and my grandma raised me and I clung to her like glue when you saw her you saw me and I was attached I thought about what it must have been like how many times he cried for his mama and cried for his daddy and all of a sudden one night when he's crying I don't understand and he just knows this is the best because it's what his mama said he had to do and he's laying there crying and all of a sudden the lord Says, Samuel. He said, I wonder what Eli wants in the middle of the night. And he goes, Right in there. Master, you called me. He said, No, I didn't call you. And I wonder what Samuel thought, what Samuel said on the way back. He said, I know. He had to call me. I mean, I know Eli's getting up in years, but he's still the man of God. He ought to know. I know I heard him call me. I don't understand. And he probably started to cry again and he laid back down. And the voice said, Samuel! And he got up and he went running in there. He said, You called me. He said, No, I didn't call you. And Eli still ain't called on. Eli's so far removed from the power of God. He still ain't caught on. And a little boy is hearing the voice of God. And Eli can't hear it. Eli's supposed to be the smart one. Eli's supposed to be the learned one. Eli is supposed to be the one that's experienced. And he's not hearing it. And Samuel goes and lays down. He said, The voice comes again, Samuel. He jumps up and runs back to Eli. He said, You called me. And the Bible said, By this time, Eli knew that it was the Lord that had called for the boy. He said, I tell you what I want you to do, son. Now, ain't it something that Eli... Now, I understand Eli gave him the best advice he could have given him. But ain't it something that all Eli could say is don't stay with me. If you stay with me, it'll mess it up. Go back where you were and listen for the voice again. And when that voice comes again, tell him to speak more for your listening and it goes back and lays down. Now here's the experienced man of God. Here's the one that's learned. Here's the one that's up in age. Here's the one that's supposed to know how to be able to give advice to the younger and he can't hear the voice of God because of what his sons have done because of what he's done because of the disappointment and the discouragement of the people of God. But here's a little boy who's inexperienced, who's green, who's ignorant to a lot of things, but he's interested in what God has to say. And he goes back and he lays down. And the voice says, Samuel, Samuel. Not just Samuel, but Samuel, Samuel. And he says, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And for the first time in so many years, there comes an open vision. And the Lord says, I'm going to tell you something that everybody that hears it will make their ears tingle. In other words, the Lord says, I'm going to let you in on something that I ain't let nobody else in on yet. Things like this don't happen every day, Samuel. Perk up and pay attention. And Samuel hears, and he's honored that God would speak to him, but he's afraid to tell his master because the Lord has told Samuel that he's going to judge the house of Eli. And he's going to slay Hophni and Phineas, And that Eli will die at the hearing of the words. And so he don't want to tell. And I thought about that. How ashamed. Now I'm not preaching on Eli. I'm not trying to be hard on Eli. I'm going to preach hard on me. How ashamed should Eli have been that this little boy who wants to know about the things of God has received an open vision and he's so afraid to tell Eli because of what Eli's house has done. And I'm going to tell you, I thought so much, and I'm not trying to re-preach what he preached, but I thought so much about it. What Brother Steve said about it, skipping, there's a gap there was a, co- a congregation of people that knew the voice of God. There was a congregation of people that knew it, but it wasn't precious enough to them. They'd rather have the hop and the phineas and the, and the the meat that they want and the women at the door and all the things. They'd rather have their way as God's way. And now there's an inexperienced generation that their hearts are tender enough that they're listening for the voice of God. Amen. And He's a speaking to them Amen. and not speaking to us because we've chosen the half Nine Phineas way. Oh, it's man. becoming a rare thing. God help me. God help us in 2023. And if we last to 2024, to come again to open our ears again to say, Oh God, uh, cleanse us of our way. Amen. And we're not interested in our way. We're not interested in our thing. We're not interested in it being a rare but we want it to be commonplace not that it's ordinary not that it's mundane but that we come to the house of God with an expectation that God's going to meet with us today Amen, brother. Yes, yes, yes. and that our children and grandchildren can grow up and know what it is for it not to be a rare thing I asked the Lord, is a speaking to my heart, I'm so glad that God's not, and I missed y'all, and I missed this place, but I'm so glad God ain't hemmed up in these four walls. I was ten and a half hours from home, sitting on the fifth floor of a beach side, uh, ocean side condo, in the bedroom by myself, and all the way down, yonder in the dark God didn't have to try to figure out where I was at God didn't come by here to give me a word and be down yonder but he slipped in the back bedroom of that three bedroom condo and he said I want to tell you something and when he got done telling me my prayer was oh God help me to live a life that it's not a rare thing for my children to see you in our midst and in our assembly and in our house and in our home God help me if you've been touched in any other way, you've missed it tonight. It's not God help who's not here. I wish, and I'll be honest with you, I sat up here tonight and I thought, Lord, I wish there's more people here. I wish everybody could hear this. But God knew who needed to be here tonight. And God brought us together. And it's not God help them. It's not God help over yonder. It ought to be God help me to do my part. For it not to be a rare thing for the young people, for our church, for our congregation to have you meet with us. I don't want my children getting the word I was supposed to get. That's really what happened. Samuel got the communication from God that Eli should have gotten and really that Hophni and Phinehas should have gotten had they been right with God. And I don't want my life to be such a way that God has to skip my generation to tell my children's generation what I should have been in the place where I could hear from God. I don't want for all this generation to have to die off for it to be wiped away that it was a rare thing. See, Eli, half and Phinehas, they all had to die. Samuel came up. He became the greatest prophet of the, all the Old Testament And the open vision of God, it didn't become rare anymore. It became commonplace for God to speak to Samuel. Matter of fact, it got so common. Now I'm not talking about it just being average. I'm talking about that God did it. They expected, the people expected Samuel to have a word from God. So much so that when they got in messes, when they got in battles they couldn't fight, when they got against enemies they couldn't face They said, we know what to do. Send for Samuel. He'll have a word from God. I guarantee it. And he served kings. When the king couldn't get a word, Samuel could always get a word. When the elders couldn't get a word, Samuel could always get a word. I'm going to tell you, I don't want our generation, my generation, your generation, there are several generations represented here. I don't want God to have to wipe us all out. I don't want our generation to have to live and die for the renewal to come that it not be a rare thing to meet with God. It's time for a change. and We have a hard time. I had a hard time we have a hard time identifying with half nine Phineas because of how wicked they were. I'm not here tonight preaching that you're living in wickedness, but there are things in our lives, in our culture, in our customs that are snuffing out the power of God. And they may not necessarily be really bad things, but they are bad if they're taking away the power of God. We become so busy. Business is the downfall of our church age. We're too busy. And the amazing thing is, in the busyness, it changes our priorities. And it's amazing that we can find time for everything else. But we just can't seem to find time for God. We can find time to work. We can find time to play. We can find time for overtime. We can find time to buy stuff. And all those things are fine in their place. But when they take the place of God, when they snuff out, when they overoccupy, occupy when we cannot find any time for God, those things are just as bad as what Hophni and Phineas were doing in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Because they're robbing us of the power of God. They're robbing us of the joy. I'm not saying that He don't meet with us every once in a while. I'm going to tell you something an old preacher said. I cannot remember who it was, to be honest with you. It was either Hanley Milby or Terry Pace. I want to say that it was Terry Pace. And I heard him say something like this, God will meet with you every once in a while just because you're His child. Just because. It's just part of being a child of God. And I'm afraid we have settled for the every once in a while kind of Christian experience. Lord, if you'll show up about once every two months in the house of God, we'll be all right with that. We can coast through our Christian experience on every other month, one service, every other month of having the power of God. We're just getting, I think Brother Pace called it, mercy drops. We're just getting mercy drops. And thank God for mercy. But there's more to it than once every other month. I don't want to settle for that. I don't want to settle for that. We was talking about it before service, and Brother Tim had no idea what was on my heart tonight. And he was talking about Brother Wade Huntley. I didn't know him. I've heard him once or twice by recording, not much. But he's talking about, and that that scripture, I'm gonna tell you, that scripture is so misinterpreted and misapplied because it is misunderstood. People have no idea when Jesus talked about pouring new wine into old bottles and the bottles burst. Everybody wants to preach that the new is bad. And I understand we're against all this modern and liberal stuff, but Jesus was not calling the new bad. He was the new. The religious way was the old. He said, I've come and if you're going to have me and what I have to offer, it'll be more than your old traditions can handle. You're going to have to junk it to have me. And I'm gonna tell you, we can get hard on the Pharisees, but we're just as bad as Mountain Baptists in our day. We got our forms and our rituals and our religion and our routine. And if God gets in the midst, he's gonna bust it all to pieces. And we're afraid. I'm following the Lord tonight, I know I am. And that's what's holding a lot of us back. We are afraid to lose control. As long as we can sing three songs and the preacher preach about 30 minutes or 45, he can get real hot and heavy if he wants to. Yeah. But don't mess up our routine. Yeah. Don't make us feel like we're not in control. Yeah, brother. That's right. I'm going to tell you if we're going to have the power of God, we're going to have to lose control. Yeah, and we're going to have to willingly lose control and say, God, I'm not interested in being in control. I'm interested in you being in yeah. control. He never has hurt anybody he never has hurt you what makes you think he'll hurt you now just turn loose of the reins and let him have control Good man. we're spending all our day trying to figure out how much new wine we can get in an old wine skin without it bursting yeah. and we're living our whole Christian experience with about this much of what we could have yeah. cause we figured out we can get about that much in there and it won't bust our tradition it won't bust our way if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you're going to have to junk the old wineskin and get a new one. I'm not talking about a new tradition, a new form. I'm talking about you're going to have to let Him put one in you to contain. Only He can put in you to contain what He has to offer. That's right. I don't know all the words to the song. I tried to look it up and I'm not, I wouldn't sing it if I did unless the Lord made me. I tried to look, and it's not in either one of these books up here. I'm sure Brother Tim's heard it. Maybe some of you others have. I know they sing it in Alabama a whole lot. I don't remember any of the verses, but I remember the chorus. And it says, Oh Lord, send the power just now. That's been my heart's cry. Oh Lord, not, not tomorrow, not next week. Not in a few days when what's gone on in here may become a forgotten memory. But Lord, send the power just now. Lord, that's what the songwriter said over and over. Oh Lord, send the power just now. Oh Lord, send the power just now. Baptize everyone. That's what we need in this day. There's still a command in this book to be filled with the Spirit. But it would probably be No, no, probably. It is the most misunderstood benefit and privilege of being a child of God of anyone in this book is being filled with the Spirit. It does not produce things that the charismatics want to say it does. There's not strange signs and wonders, but I'm going to tell you it's a strange and wonderful thing. And there'll not be any misunderstanding if you ever get it you won't have to ask anybody and you won't have to do what everybody else does or act that's what I'm afraid We, we have become cookie cutter Christians and we're so bent on trying to figure out what everybody else did to get it and how they acted when they got it that we're missing on what God wants to do for us all the apostles got filled with the Spirit Peter's the only one that stood up and preached and when Peter got done, they all joined in. But for that hour, they didn't all sit around and try to figure out how they could be like Peter that's enjoying what God was doing for them. That's right. I'm not saying for you get some extra biblical interpretation. If it lines up with this book right here, it'll be right. Yeah. But you need to quit trying to figure out about everybody else. And we need to worry about ourselves. Right. So, oh Lord, help me. While we stand all over the house, I'm done.